If you will click or turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, that will be our primary text for this morning. While you're heading to Colossians, let me take a moment and read from the sermon series' primary text, Ephesians 6, so that way we can review where we've been so far in the series. Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you might be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to elementary spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised through him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to a cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Let us pray now and ask God's help to hear and understand his word this morning. God, I am just a man and we are just men and we, without your spirit, cannot understand your word completely. And God, this morning, as uh, I ask for your help as one beggar bringing bread to other beggars, God, may you help me, help me to take your word, help me not to be me up here, help me to be just your voice piece and to speak your word. God, let your word stand. Help us this morning to understand how to stand firm in your Son in Christ alone and help us to realize that everything we do is because of Christ alone and that we don't even deserve our next breath without your grace. And God, help us to see that this morning. May you be glorified in all we do and may you help us again this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. From last week's text in Ephesians 6, we got to see that we were fighting a war against the schemes of the devil and that we wrestle with evil spiritual forces that are in the heavenly places. These spiritual forces would like to drag us all to hell with them, and if possible, our enemy would even lead the elect astray. Christ even warns us in Mark 13:22, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. So we see that we have a formidable enemy, which would like to see us and God's plans destroyed, if possible. We also see from Ephesians 6 that we are able to withstand the enemy by putting on the full armor of God. Paul in Ephesians 6 shows us that how we fight 
And how we put on the full armor of God is by being strong in the Lord, and it is in his strength and the strength of his might. So today, we want to see further how we can stand strong in the Lord and how we can fight this formidable foe. In our primary text, we will see that in order to fight, first, we must walk by faith in Christ alone. Second, we cannot be taken captive by anything of this world. Third, we can stand from the Lord and walk in him because the fullness of deity dwells in Christ and we are filled in him. We also see that we can fight because of the drastic spiritual change in our lives made through Christ. Then finally, we can fight this war and these battles because Christ has ultimately won the war. First off, if we are to fight, we must walk by faith in Christ alone. Paul here in our text makes it clear that the Colossians' reception of Christ was by faith, and the continued walk must continue to be by faith. Paul is reminding the readers of his letter that just as they originally received and accepted Christ, they need to continue that walk in Christ. In other words, Paul is telling them that their daily walk, how they daily live, and how they should stand daily must be that their lives are lived by faith in Christ alone. And Paul does not add anything to that faith. In this text, it is simply that they should continue to walk in Christ just as how they originally received him. Paul also makes it clear that there is no law-keeping or circumcision or anything that the syncretistic culture around the Colossians was doing that the Colossians needed to do in order to walk with him. For, then Paul further clarifies that their faith was centered on and what it must be established in by telling them that it must be based on what they were previously taught. The lesson that the Colossians were previously taught was the gospel and that it is the grace of God in the truth. Thankfully, Paul in Colossians 1 lets us know what that is. Colossians chapter 1. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we have heard your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this, you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ, on your behalf, and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So in Colossians 1, we see that the people of Colossae were taught by Epaphras the word of truth, the gospel, that is, the grace of God. We can see that their faith was grounded in Christ Jesus, which was the result of them being taught the gospel of God in truth. In other words, the faith of the Colossians was a result of them hearing the gospel and then believing just like the Colossians, we need to listen to Paul's reminder and we need to make sure our walk is based in faith in Christ alone. We cannot be relying on our good looks or our good works or what others think of us if they think we're good or not. We can't be relying on that. In addition, we cannot be relying on some family tradition or family heritage or some commitment or some prayer that we may have prayed in the past. We must rely in the gospel and the truth of God that we receive by faith and that came from God in Christ Jesus alone. Also, order in order to walk and stay walking in faith in Christ, we need to be remembering and reminding ourselves of the gospel often and remembering it that it is by grace we can stand. 
Furthermore, we must be making sure that we are being rooted and built up in the gospel and the, and the whole word of God. And in order to be rooted up and built up in the gospel, we must be making it a priority in our lives to know God's word. To know God's word, we need to be studying it and learning it. And we need to know what he has spoken and left us with in our Bibles. So some practical ways we can further get to know God and God's word are, for example, we can do one-on-one Bible studies. Or we can do group Bible studies. That way, as other Christians and as a family, we can help each other grow and help each other know God and know his word more. Also, there are many reading schedules that can use to help us stay disciplined and actually stay on a path that will actually help us get through all of Scripture and stay on task. I know life gets busy, and I know in my life it's hard to stay disciplined and stay on task. And sometimes just having a simple little checklist can help you do that. And out there <clears throat> these days, we really don't have an excuse. If you really need something to help you stay disciplined like I do, there are some plans that are take as little as 30 days to get through the Bible and some that take two to three years, so they're highly customizable. So that is very helpful. And these are just a few examples. There are many more things we can do, but these are just a few examples I've, I would give this morning. Along with getting to know the gospel better, we need to remember that just because we like the gospel and agreed with it on Sunday does not mean tomorrow we can go walking through life like nothing. We need to make sure that on Sunday we're not just living for Sunday. In other words, our lives must reflect the gospel and God's word, and we must not look like the rest of the world around us. We must look different. Also, in order to keep walking in Christ, We must keep reminding ourselves and keep relying upon Christ and his death and resurrection for us as a means of life. And living lives based on the gospel will mean we can fight the battle that the devil and the evil spiritual forces will bring against us. Second, if we are to fight the spiritual enemy, we must make sure not to be taken captive by anything other than Christ. Paul warns the Colossians, that they must make sure that no one takes them captive by philosophy and empty deceit or human tradition that are according to the elementary spirits of this world. What is going on here is that the church at Colossae was under attack from the culture and the peoples around them who were unfortunately on the exact same team as our and their enemy, the devil. The culture around the church at Colossae was one of false teachers that were influenced by a syncretistic pagan culture. The false teachers tried to get the church just to add faith in Jesus to other practices and other human traditions, and they didn't want them to be set apart from the world. The false teachers were also going around trying to deceive the church and trick them into believing that they needed to add works or traditions to the gospel. Some teachers would even go as far as trying to drag them to follow other philosophies that were not the gospel, and dragged them basically back into their pagan heritage where they came from. And then most likely, the biggest deception that was taking place in Colossae was from a false teaching group called the Judaizers. The Judaizers were trying to get Christians to believe that salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone was not enough. That, to be truly Christian, you had to be a Jew, and that you must be circumcised if you were male, And that you must follow the whole Old Covenant law and continue to follow the old traditions, both those written in the books of law and those added by human tradition over the years. These false teachers were about law-keeping 
and making salvation by works instead of by faith in Christ alone. Today is no different. Everywhere we turn in this world, there are ideas and philosophies that are not going to be helpful and help us walk in Christ. There are groups that claim to be Christian, but their idea of being Christian is keeping a list of do's and don'ts. There are false religions also that the goal of life is just to be a good person, and as long as you don't commit some terrible crime, in the end, we'll all end up in some sort of paradise. Others have a system, if you keep the pillars of the faith, faith, then if you're good enough, and ultimately if God feels like letting you in paradise, you're in. Then there are many more, but the point is that the world around us and the elementary principles of this fallen world scream for us and all in this world to ignore Christ and to do things our own way, just like Adam did when mankind first became sinners. So, because the world is not concerned about the real truth and is screaming at us to ignore God's truth and do things our own way, we must know our Bibles well enough to be able to know what is God's truth and what is not. We need to be able to remember and figure out what is true. And we need to remember that close only counts in horseshoes and that close is not truth. In Deuteronomy, God commands that Israel, when God gave them a king of his own choosing, that when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, that is the king, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of the law approved by the Levitical priest, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of the law and these statutes and doing them, that his heart may not be lifted above his brothers, and they may not turn aside from the commandments, either to the right hand or to the left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom and his children in Israel. <clears throat> so, in this passage, we see that God was so concerned that the leader of his people know the scriptures and so that Israel would stay walking with him, that in a time when there were no individual copies of God's word, God commanded that the king sit down and by hand make himself a personal copy of the scriptures and then get it approved by the Levites. So how much more should we who have printed and digital copies of God's word and different translations and different paraphrases and different study guides that we can read and search and how much more should we be able to know God's word? We and myself are included are without excuse of not having access to God's word. And because of our access, we should know it better and we should know it. We had also better learn it because we can see, especially in the Gospels and the temptation of Jesus, that even the devil himself will try to quote scripture. However, the devil twists it just enough to no longer make it the truth. And no longer the truth doesn't get you anywhere. So, we like Christ did in the Gospels, we must know God's word well enough in order to be able to discern the little twists because our enemy is crafty and he will attack us with little twists that might sound good and might sound familiar, but half-truth is not truth and close enough is not close. In fact, close enough might lead to death and it might lead to hell. The third question, we can f the third reason we can fight this war is because the fullness of deity dwells bodily and we have been filled in him. In Christ, the fullness of deity dwells bodily and in him we are filled. 
Paul is letting the Colossians know that Christ is not just a man of flesh or just a spirit that is deity. The concept is shooting down another enemy attack from the culture around the Colossians. This attack was by some who believed that nothing good could be of flesh, and thus, if Christ was man, there was no way he could be Savior or God, or even good, so that he must have been just a spirit. Yet Paul is making it clear, we have a Savior that is fully man, fully God, and fully in charge. Also, Paul is making it clear to us that Christ is not only fully God dwelling bodily, he also has all rule and authority. So our Savior, whom we are walking in faith, and whom has filled us, and is still fully in charge over everything, and we thusly can trust in him, and trust in him being in control. Also, because he has filled us by sending us the Holy Spirit, we know that we are sealed. And because we are sealed, our enemy cannot bring us to utter destruction, and we can endure the fight. Paul says in Ephesians 1, 13-14, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantor of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So when our enemy comes to fight, we can, are filled with him who has all rule and authority. So we get our strength, our ability to fight this war and take up the armor of God because Christ being is ruler over all. So it is not that we fight in our own strength or on our own, but we have a Savior who has filled us, who is fully God, fully man, and fully in charge, and thus we can say with Paul in Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? The fourth reason we can fight this spiritual war is because of the drastic and dramatic spiritual change made in us through Christ. In this part of our text, Paul shows us different ways in which Christ has changed our lives through the faith believers received and now walk in. First, Paul reminds us that our hearts are now circumcised. When we receive Christ, Christ circumcised our hearts. He made it clear that our worldly body of sinful flesh was cast off by the circumcision. So we no longer have an uncircumcised heart. And unlike Old Covenant, Old Testament circumcision that was just a physical sign, this circumcision is a spiritual change and not just a sign, but a complete spiritual change of heart. As Christians with circumcised hearts, we now truly can love him and we can truly obey him and we can truly walk in him. Prior to our circumcisions, we could not, nor did we want to acknowledge Jesus as Lord, or we didn't want to love him in any way or obey him in any way. Instead, we were our own kings, and we made sure we did whatever the strongest desire of our heart was, and that wasn't to love God. That was to do whatever we wanted to do. Because of God's circumcision, we now have new hearts that love God and truly desire to love and obey him and make sure we honor him as Lord. So our change of heart, that is the work of Christ, and that has caused us to be able to stand against our enemy because our hearts now have become different, and now have godly desires. Then Paul shows us that we are spiritually baptized in Christ. In our baptism, our old self, which was a slave to sin and destined for hell, it died. And through faith in Christ and the powerful working of God, raised him and us with him and raised us from the dead to make us alive. This new life in Christ is what makes us be able to stand and fight. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Then lastly, Paul shows us that we were dead in the flesh because of the great cost of our trespasses and the uncircumcision of our flesh. However, God made us alive and forgave us our debts and trespasses and then the legal demands by nailing all of our trespasses through Christ, all of it to the cross. So our enemy, because of Christ, now has no legal or no ability to hold our trespasses against us. And we are now free of our sinful past if we are walking in faith by Christ, by grace alone. So if we truly have faith in Christ, we should be changed. And these changes should be making the fight possible. However, we need to examine ourselves and make sure our lives are truly changed. Do we really love Christ? Is he now our king? Are we no longer our own king? And we no longer worried about doing it our own way? Christ in the Gospels makes it clear that if we truly love him, we will love to obey him. So do we? Is there proof of our faith? If not, we are told to call upon the name of the Lord and we will be saved. So will you today stop being your own king and walking in the ways of the enemy and stop being your own Lord and receive Christ in faith? This morning, I ask you, will you change? We all do not deserve our next breath if it weren't for the grace of God. We all hang over hell and the eternal punishment of God if we do not believe and do not call upon the name of the Lord. And God is a holy and just God and has every right to send us to that hell right now and not give us our next breath. So I ask of you, remember, we do not deserve our next breath. Will you call upon the name of the Lord? And if you do love him and you do believe and you have faith in Christ, will you continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling and by faith in Christ continue the walk of faith and continue to become more Christ-like? Fifth and finally, we can fight the spiritual war because Christ has disarmed and triumphed over the enemy. Christ, when he died on the cross and rose again on the third day, he won the war. When Christ rose from the grave, he won the war and guaranteed the victory over the grave, death, and our spiritual enemy. That victory is what caused our enemy to be disarmed and to be put to open shame. Thus, we do not have to walk around for, with fear over our souls if we are truly walking with Christ. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 18 tells us, Since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely... It is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest and service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. In Luke 10, Christ also makes it clear that he has given us authority over the enemy and our names are written in heaven. Christ said, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. 
Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Because Christ has paid the price and has given us authority in his strength, our enemy is now powerless and cannot cause us to lose our salvation and our eternal future with Christ, no matter what schemes the devil throws at us. So death is dead and love has won and Christ has conquered. And in this war against the enemy, it's over. Because of Christ's victory, we need to act like victors. And remember, if, if the battles or if life in general just gets tough, then we know the end of the story. Since we know the end, we can live on what Christ has already done for us and have confidence that ultimately, for those of us who love Christ, all things work together for good. So the enemy may kill our current bodies, but through Christ, we will rise again and we will live with him in glory forever. So today, we saw that we can stand and fight this war because of Christ and faith in him alone. By not being taken captive by the things of this world, by being filled in him, that we have been dramatically and drastically changed by him and because the war has been won by him. All we have seen today can help us stand against the devil and his schemes and cause us to be able to fight this spiritual war. So today, let us fight this war and stand firm against the devil by standing firmly in Christ alone. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, may you help us, may you, through your Spirit, help us to understand that we stand only by your grace, and that we get our next breath by your grace, and that we continue to walk by your grace alone. And may you help us to understand that it's only by faith alone and Christ alone that we can stand. It's nothing that we do. It's nothing that we do inside ourselves. It's nothing because we're good, God. It's because you're God and you decided to have mercy upon us. And God, may we remember that. May we live on that. And may you cause us to walk for you. And may we become more conformed to the image of your Son. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us now stand and sing, O church.